Here we are then, we're a week after Christmas Day 2023, and we're going to pick up from the Bible what happened to Jesus and his, and his family shortly after the very first Christmas. So please do keep your Bible open, page 1028 in the Church Bibles, Luke chapter 2. Joseph and Mary clearly had a heart to honour God with the child that they'd been blessed with. And as such, they honoured the obligations laid down uh, for them in the law of Moses, in what we would know as the Old Testament. And as such, there were various ceremonies for them to proceed with. And those mentioned here in verses 21 to 24 of Luke 2 tell us significant things about Jesus. The occasion of his circumcision would also be the, have been the occasion of his formal naming If we'd read earlier in Luke's gospel, we'd have found out that an angel told Mary the baby was to be called Jesus. And in Matthew's gospel, we find that Joseph was also told that the baby would be named Jesus. Names have significance, don't they? Although I heard that one couple have named their newborn daughter after an internet service provider in exchange for free Wi-Fi for 18 years. The baby's father took the decision after Swiss startup Twi-Fi, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, Twi-Fi, this company pledged the prize for anyone who named either their daughter Twifia or their son Twifius. And the dad said, the longer I thought about it, the more unique the name became for me. And that was when the thing got its charm, as I assume 18 years of free Wi-Fi did as well. But the parents, who strangely asked to remain, remain anonymous, only went as so far as to use Twyfia as the daughter's second middle name. He also then admitted, we, all, we are also a little ashamed. I'm not surprised. But thankfully, with apologies to anyone who shares that name, I should have checked that out first. Well, thankfully, that wasn't the case with naming the naming of Jesus. And Jesus' name tells us about his task, his mission, because the name Jesus means the Lord is salvation or God saves. And we're told in Matthew's account of his life that he's called Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And so Joseph and Mary faithfully name him as they'd been told by the angel. And then in the next and later ceremony for them, the law of Moses stated that a sacrifice of one lamb and one young dove or pigeon was to be brought. But if they couldn't, if a family couldn't afford a lamb, then there was provision for two doves or pigeons to be brought. And did you see how Joseph and Mary made this offering? Joseph had a trade as a carpenter, so it's it's, it's unlikely that they lived in abject poverty. But it's very clear that they weren't wealthy, materially speaking. Joseph and Mary, the family into which Jesus was born, were very ordinary, very ordinary. And that tells us so much about those to whom our God comes. Our God came to be born as a human being. 
Now, that might have been a big enough stoop in and of itself, the creator of the world to become part of his creation, God, the eternal God becoming a human being. But he came as a powerless baby, born in a barn in an insignificant place to a very, very ordinary family. Our God came to those who know their need. Our God didn't come to the palace in Jerusalem or anywhere, any other capital city. Our God didn't come to those who are confident in their own self-sufficiency. Our God came to those who know their need, and he promised to come to rescue his people. And the Christmas, the true Christmas stories reveal the kind of people to whom Jesus comes, those with a spirit of need, those who are very ordinary. And as Mary and Joseph brought their child Jesus to the temple in, back in Jerusalem, they, they met two, two figures, two figures who were both very ordinary and yet extraordinary. They met Simeon and Anna. And Simeon Anna and Anna saw Jesus and the words that they both spoke to describe him and to respond to him ring through the centuries and across the world to speak to powerfully to us today. So firstly, Simeon was waiting. Can we say that together? Simeon was waiting. Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Here is this faithful, deeply spiritual man who is waiting expectantly for God's promises to be fulfilled, living in hope for the arrival of the Lord's comfort and compassion. And as the Spirit moves Simeon into the temple courts, Simeon takes Jesus in his arms. And can you hear Simeon's joy as he praises God, as he looks at Jesus and says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. When Simeon sees Jesus, Simeon firstly receives peace. There was only one thing on Simeon's bucket list. Only one thing that Simeon wanted to do before he died. There were no personal targets to achieve. Simeon had no list of experiences that he wanted to consume. He simply wanted to see the Lord's salvation. Meeting Jesus gave him peace. Meeting Jesus gave Simeon a peace that enabled him to face death. And can I ask, have you received that same peace? Peace that enables you to say with a settled contentment, you may now, Lord, dismiss your servant in peace. 
For my eyes have seen your salvation. Friends, if you're a Christian here today, then that is the peace that we have received. When we, like Simeon, realize who Jesus truly is, then we can rest. We can face death. And we can face life with a deep peace and a confident certainty. Peace that knows that God always fulfills his promises. Simeon receives peace, and then also what happens next? He receives, he he reveals purpose. What he says reveals something of the purpose of Jesus coming into the world. Jesus came to save people from all nations, a light not just for Israel, but for Gentiles as well. All of us, whatever our ethnicity and our heritage, are included in the, prom- in the pur- purposes of God in Christ Jesus. Wherever we are from in the world originally, we are all included in God's purposes. Now, did you know that for the last 40 years, the American bank PNC has calculated the price the total price of the 12 gifts from the classic Christmas song, The 12 Days of Christmas. So the PNC Christmas Price Index has become a tradition to count the cost of Christmas gifts. You know, a partridge in a pear tree, and I won't go through all the others. And this year, the total cost in dollars is $46,729, which is about, yeah, that's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. That's a great reaction. Thank you, Charlotte. Which is about £36,875 sterling. An incredible cost. Well, in our verses, Simeon alludes, he he points to the far greater cost, not only of the first Christmas, but what would be the first Easter, as he hints. Look at verse 35, 34 and 35 about the divided responses that Jesus will attract, and the pain and the suffering that will come for Christ and those who follow him. So Simeon had been waiting. Let's say that again together. Simeon was waiting. Now, Anna was worshipping. Let's say that together. Anna was worshipping. Anna had known hurt and pain in her life. But she chose to allow that to turn her to God and not away from him. She served her Lord rather than separating herself from God. And let me say that there is an example there for many of us. As you look back on this year, what have you done with your hurt and pain in 2023? Have you turned away from God? Well, if that's you, today, the last day of this year, will you, like Anna, instead turn to God and take your hurt and your pain to him 
and he'll receive you with open arms. Anna was regularly at the temple worshipping and fasting and praying. Anna was a prophet, and in verse 38, we read of her encounter with Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, verse 38. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Most people at the time would have thought of the redemption of Jerusalem in political terms, of finally throwing off the chains of the Roman Empire. Well, Jesus would bring redemption, Jesus would bring revolution, but not of the kind that the people were expecting. Jesus brought in a revolution and a redemption that threw open the doors of his kingdom to people from all nations and people from all walks of life. And if we continued reading in Luke's story of Jesus' life, then we would start to realize that people from every age and people from every season of life are drawn into the story. And we would see how all of that is in fulfillment of the ancient prophecies, the ancient promises of God. We see that people from all humankind are invited into the kingdom of God, male and female, young and old, Jew and Gentile, from the country and from the city. No matter who you are, the story of Jesus invites you in to wait and to worship. The Holy Spirit was at work in Simeon and Anna. And now that same Spirit is at work, not just in a few people dotted here and there, but has been poured out on all, on all believers, all those who trust in Jesus. And so this morning and at the end of this year, will we, like Simeon and Anna, share that same sense of awe and amazement? Will we share in that sense of waiting and worshipping? Because we too know that our God is a God who fulfills his promises. And they are yes and amen in Christ.